Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of August 3rd through August the 9th. I hope that you're doing well out there. I'm recording this today on uh, Friday, July 31st, as we're moving towards the Sun-Uranus square. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that all unfolds. Um, in the week ahead here, though, we're, we're going to be building up to a full moon in the sign of Aquarius opposite the Leo sun. So that will happen on Monday, August the 3rd. While also uh, Uranus will be playing a part in this story as well with a square from uh, the sign of Taurus. On the same day, on Monday, uh, Mercury will be making an opposition to a retrograde Saturn. Uh, Mercury will be under the beams as well. So we'll discuss a little bit of that. Uh, Tuesday, August the 4th, Mars will make a square to Jupiter retrograde at 19 degrees of Aries and 19 degrees of Capricorn. And then our friend Hermes, or Mercury, will move into the domicile of the sun, Leo. On Friday the 7th, Venus will switch signs after a long journey through the sign of Gemini um, that included a retrograde that kind of hopefully gave us some clarity on the issues of duality that we're trying to harmonize within our life. And we'll move into the sign of cancer. So we'll discuss the two of cups and some of the cancer um, significations as it relates to Venus. Um, talk a little bit about fixed stars this week. Uh, the, the sun is moving through uh, the middle part of Leo. So we'll talk about the fixed star Acubens, which is part of the constellation uh, Cancer. And we'll talk a little bit about Doobie, Doobie, I think that's how you say it, um, which is part of the constellation of the little, or the, the big bear, Ursa Major. We'll talk about the bears and the celestial pole and uh, some of the significations around that. Um, Venus will be moving through that third decan of Gemini before it moves into Cancer and going over a few important fixed stars, including the pole star Polaris and uh, another very um, auspicious star, uh, Betelgeuse, in the, in the constellation of Orion. Um, Jupiter will be moving over the fixed star uh, Deneb in the constellation Aquila. And Mercury will be moving over our favorite <laughs> fixed stars in the constellation of Cancer, the northern and the southern asses, uh, Acellus Borealis and Acellus Australis respectively. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, all right, so let's, let's take a look at our chart here and break it all down for you. Hope that you're doing well and having a good week so far. Um, yeah, lots going on. Busy, busy life, busy life, busy life, and busy sky stories and whatnot. Um, the Sun Uranus experience has been an interesting one. I'd be curious to hear your your stories and how that's working out for you um, in the Leo and Taurus area of your of your own life. Um, I think we've been seeing this play out a little bit in the collective with uh, some declarative statements in in um, my home country of America with uh, Donald Donald Trump talking about potentially trying to delay the election that came out very recently as we started to see an adherence between. Um, the sun and Uranus, and potentially maybe covering up some of some other data, which was uh, some some um, 
numbers that came out about the economy and, and how the last quarter saw a 30% decrease in the, in the gross domestic product of the United States. So um, maybe some smoke and mirrors there, uh, potentially. But either way, those, those two um, things are causes for concern. And um, yeah, some interest, like I said, interesting times we're living through. So we'll see how it plays out as we move forward through the weekend. We've also had some uh, negotiations going on about potentially second relief packages with Congress, and they're at a little bit of a standstill. And I've talked about last week about uh, this particular full moon and sun Uranus square uh, is happening in a very fixed sign of the zodiac. And any negotiations we may be a part of right now, um, we may be finding ourselves uh, a little bit, um, you know, fixed in our positions. Uh, we're, we're in the middle decans of the fixed signs, which which were basically the signs that were holding the the tent poles or the tent stakes of the sky together in ancient times. Uh, the fixed signs were associated with the solstices and the equinox points, which were very important for how the ancient um, archaic people thought about how we, um, our cosmology and how we kept everything together. So um, something to think about that right there is we may be really fixed in our position. And I know in my own personal life, I've, I've really had to kind of get, I think, clear on some circumstances and, um, you know, faced with my own decisions where it, the potential to be in a fixed position could lead to uh, change. And I would say what, what, just to preface all of this, what I've been doing is trying to slow down and go on a fact-finding mission and gather information and try to make a decision that's based on as much information as it possibly can. And I would say that that's really important as we move forward, excuse me, to our, our full moon. Um, okay, so let's talk about the planetary condition this week with that, uh, the, that introduction and that kind of like setting the scene out of the way here. The sun's going to be moving from 11 to 17 degrees of Leo this week, where it is in its own domicile. Uh, so the, the sun is sitting on its throne right now in the constellation of the, of the lion. Uh, it also has triplicity rulership by the daytime. So the, it has, it's that communal support as well. The sun will be moving through the terms of Saturn from 11 to 18 degrees this week. And it's going to be making a number of aspects. It will be receiving a trine from Mars and Aries. Uh, it will be sextiling Venus in Gemini until Venus changes signs into Cancer. Uh, and then it'll be making that square to uh, Uranus and Taurus, as we just discussed. And that, that's going to be perfecting um, Sunday morning. Um, but we're going to be feeling the repercussions of that as we move forward into our full moon on Monday afternoon as well. So again, that's a really big part of the, the narrative here. Uh, again, the, the sun is in its own domicile, so it has a lot of essential dignity, has a lot of strength. Our ability to, to command authority is, uh, is strong right now. And our fixed position and, and potentially our pride may be, may be strong right now too. The, the need to feel respected and to feel a sense of autonomy or to feel a sense of having an ability to call the shots might be something that uh, we may be feeling a strong attraction to right now. And that could be ruffling some feathers in some other areas of our life. So we have to be careful of that and know that, uh, you know, 
whenever we're faced with some kind of challenge right now, we have to take a deep breath and, and, re, and ask ourselves, is this something, is whatever we're facing right now, um, is there any manifestations of pride or ego that may be blocking a rational action or a rational decision that we may be trying to make? So I would say that that would be my, my, uh, my advice on that this week that hopefully is rooted in um, the mature part of ourselves as we try to, and through the pronoia part of ourselves. Um, and I'll get to this in a second, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the fixed stars and how it fits in with, with fate. But let's continue on with the, uh, the planetary condition report so I don't go off on a crazy tangent too far into this. So Saturn this week will be retrograde uh, still. We've been having a retrograde Saturn for quite some time. Uh, it is going to be moving very slow at this point, where it is only going to be moving, uh, you know, roughly half a degree. Uh, so it'll be hanging out at the at 27 Capricorn um, for the entire week, where it does have domicile rulership. It's in its own home. Uh, it's resting in its own home. This was another way that I heard um, planets being in their own domicile described as Sometimes they slow down around those times, around those retrograde and direct stations. And it's kind of like the planet is kind of taking it easy a little bit in its own, its own space. And that's what we're seeing with Saturn right now. Saturn will be in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. And it's going to be co-present still with a retrograde Jupiter and a retrograde Pluto in the sign of Capricorn. So there's a lot of action in that, in that area of the zodiac right now. And um, this area of the zodiac is associated with forms that are leaving, leaving the realm of existence, material realms. And uh, this was one of the gateways, right? One of the gateways of leaving, uh, leaving things behind where its opposite cancer in antiquity was thought of a gateway where forms were coming into being. Um, so, yeah, we've got some, a lot of action in the, in the area of, of the zodiac where forms are leaving. Saturn will also be making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries, where it is exerting its dominance on Aries, on the Aries-Mars right now, and uh, maybe creating some limitation for our martial instincts as far as wanting to move forward under our own power and under our own autonomy. We may find ourselves in situations right now where we really have to make some compromises and we really aren't able to do exactly what we want to do and we have to kind of do what is necessary at this point. Um, and having that foreknowledge is, is, will help us to maybe accept some of those uh, circumstances more as a stoic would. Um, so that's something to consider as we move forward in our week. Uh, Saturn will also be making an opposition to Mercury in the sign of Cancer. And then once uh, Venus moves into the sign of Cancer, Venus will start opposing all of those Capricorn placements, including Saturn. Saturn is also making a trine to Uranus and Taurus. So some of the changes that we're making are, are rooted right now um, in our ability to, to be disciplined and to do the mature thing. Uh, Saturn will also be making a sextile to retrograde Neptune in the sign of Pisces. Uh, Saturn's in its own domicile, so it is its own host. So it's kind of calling its own shots right now. It doesn't necessarily have to make any compromises with any other planet um, because it is staying in its own home and has access to its own resources. Uh, let's see here. 
So the next planet in our planetary condition report is Jupiter, which is also retrograde. Jupiter is moving through the second decan of Capricorn right now. It, it retrograded backwards into the 19th degree. It's also pretty slow right now. It's going to only move about one degree this week. And it is in the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees. Um, all of the same conjunctions apply as, as did to Saturn. It is conjoining or co-present is co-present with Saturn and with Pluto this week. Uh, it is making its own overcoming square to Mars in Aries and its opposition to Mercury and then to Venus in Cancer. Jupiter will also be trining uh, Uranus and Taurus and making a sextile to Neptune and Pisces. Now, Jupiter is in its fall in this particular placement, uh, but it is co-present with a, its host, um, Saturn, which is a, it's a mixed bag. It's, it's not in its favorite place. It's, Jupiter is a planet that is interested in birth and bringing things into, into being. It is exalted in the place, in the gateway of cancer, where it, so it's exalted in that sign of cancer where it's associated with birth and nurturing and abundance. But it is in an uncomfortable place. It's at its lowest kind of point of power in the sign of Capricorn because it, it really can't do what it wants to do, what it desires to do. Um, so we have to consider that when we're trying to think about expansion, abundance, and growth in our life right now is really what is being able to be, uh, supported by our Jupiterian impulses is contraction. Okay. So Mars will be moving through the sign of Aries, uh, the, the second and into the third decan of Aries from 19 to 21 degrees, where it is in its own domicile, and it will be in its own terms when it moves into the 20th degree. It will be in the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees, and then its own terms, Mars, from 20 to 25 degrees. Uh, it is, of course, receiving those overcoming squares from uh, Saturn and from Jupiter, and also from Pluto. I'm I'm not exactly sure if we can think about that in the same exact way because Pluto is not a visible planet and was not part of the traditional system. I, I don't have a clear answer as whether it casts aspect rays in the same way, but we can you know at least confirm that Jupiter and Saturn are holding sway and influence over Mars right now and in the, in the position of superior power. Uh, so Mars is also going to be making its own overcoming trine to the sun uh, and exerting influence in that regard. Um, it will be trining Mercury when Mercury moves into the sign of Leo. And it will be, at the beginning of the week, it will still be exerting its power over Mercury uh, with the overcoming square to Mercury and Cancer. Um, but then it will shift uh, when it moves into Leo. And then once Venus moves into Cancer, it will be receiving the overcoming square from Mars as well. So Mars will be very strong in this position, um, and it will be sending, since Mars is a malefic, it will be sending harmful rays to that planet that it is basically chasing through the zodiac. And, and in the beginning of the week, it'll be chasing Mercury, so communications may uh, fall under the pressure of some of our rash decision-making or, or anger. And then Venus will take its turn feeling the heat 
of Mars with that overcoming square. And so some of our attempts at, at relationship, uh, you know, conciliatory energy, you may fall under that, that Mars, um, I don't know, uh, I, don't, I guess I said heat before, but that, that Mars conflict energy that we maybe have to work through. So Mars is in its own domicile, so it's, it is still very powerful even though it is limited in what it can do because of Saturn's overcoming square. Venus this week will be moving through the final degrees of Gemini from 26 to 30 degrees where it is peregrine, where it doesn't have any essential dignity. It'll be moving through the terms of Saturn from 24 to 30 degrees in the end of Gemini. And, and as we said before, it'll be conjoining these important fixed stars, Polaris and in the constellation Ursa Minor, the, uh, the small bear, and then Betelgeuse in the constellation of Orion, uh, which is a very fortuitous star. Uh, it will be making a sextile or receiving a sextile from uh, Mars and Aries. It will be still squaring um, Neptune in Pisces, and it will have a sextile with the Sun in Leo. The Venus will be in aversion to its host Mercury while Mercury is in the sign of Cancer. So that means it's not able to witness it. Thus, it won't be able to get the, the types of resources that it really wants right now, which is an ability to have you know, harmonious conversations and reconcile some of our opposing viewpoints. When Venus moves into the sign of Cancer, which it will do on Friday the 7th, we're going to see it move through the first two degrees of Cancer. It will still be... Um, well, it will improve its dignity. I'm looking ahead to Mercury. Venus will improve in its dignity. It will, it will become uh, the, its own triplicity ruler. It'll be the triplicity ruler by daytime, and it will move into its own decan by the Chaldean system. It'll be in the terms of Mars from zero to seven degrees. So it does improve its own essential dignity, but it will be in a position that will be a little bit more challenging, I would say, accidentally by its aspects that it's making to all of the planets in Capricorn. So it, that is a, a mixed bag for Venus. We will, it will be more empowered as a planet itself in the area where it will have some authority, but it will be receiving some very challenging aspects from Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto eventually as it moves through that kind of gauntlet where we may be trying to create growth in our relationships, but we really have to balance. It. It's a balance point with the things in our life that are still very strongly calling for contraction and for coming to terms with the void and with, with composting something in our life. Uh, when Venus moves into Cancer, it will also be making a sextile to Uranus. Uh, it will be receiving that overcoming square from Mars, and it will move into a trine relationship with Neptune and Pisces. The moon's host will cease to be uh, Mercury, and it will now be the moon, where we will be seeing a full moon phase that is moving to the disseminating phase. So we've got kind of a, a, a moon that's at its height of power, but it will begin to wane and distribute its knowledge or its gnosis or its realizations out into the world. So it may be a time to uh, share the types of realizations that we get, come to at the full moon. Mercury this week will be moving from the 26th degree to 30 degrees of Cancer, where it's peregrine. You can see here it's also moving under the sun's beams now. So I believe at the 
as we move into Sunday, we're going to see Mercury disappear visually in the sky under the sun's beams. We will no longer be able to see Mercury rise before the sun at sunrise. And that's an important, uh, that's an important condition of phosphorus where it was an omen that was speaking. We can derive a lot of meaning for that. Mercury is disappearing into the underworld. Remember, Mercury had its role as a psychopomp where it moved between worlds. And when it was visible, it was within the world of the realm of form and the realm of the living. And it is going into the realm of the dead and the, the, uh, the underworld for a journey. Uh, and it eventually will go into the furnace of the sun and have a, a sense of renewal and, and retrieve some kind of knowledge from the gnosis of the sun, from the knowing. And then eventually it'll emerge again as the evening star. So we were seeing Mercury move under the beams and go into that journey. So a lot of our communications may be taking place behind the scenes. We may be going on a journey of discovery uh, where we are trying to think about what our next, our next journey is going to be in the realm of form. Um, it's a little bit of a challenging position for Mercury because uh, when it's under the beams, that's a weakening position. You know, Mercury is, is uh, on a reconnaissance mission right now. And it's, it's gathering information. It's not necessarily the greatest time for sharing all of that. It's time for, I would say, gathering and, and learning what, what the next step on your journey is going to be. Mercury in, in Cancer is going to be in the terms of Saturn from 26 to 30 degrees. So at the beginning of the week, it'll be, have a malefic bound lord. So a little bit, a little bit more sober conversations at the beginning of the week. Um, and of course, it's going to be uh, opposing Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto, uh, receiving the square from Mars and Aries, sextiling Uranus and Taurus, and trining uh, Neptune and Pisces. Its host at the beginning of the week will be the moon going through that full and disseminating phase. Once Mercury moves into the sign of Leo on Thursday the 4th, we're going to see it move from nine or zero to nine degrees, coming very close to its... Uh, or closer to its Kazemi moment. We still have another, I would say, week and a half until we see the conjunction, the superior conjunction this time, uh, which is when Mercury is direct in motion and makes a conjunction with the sun. It makes its inferior conjunction when it's retrograde. So this is a little bit maybe almost like a full moon type of experience in the Mercury-Sun cycle as well. The beginning of the cycle, according to a lot of astrologers, being the conjunction, uh, the retrograde conjunction. So when Mercury moves into Leo, it will move into the terms of Jupiter from 0 to 6 degrees and then the terms of Venus from 6 to 11 degrees. It's going to be co-present with its host, the Sun, which is a, a fortuitous position for Mercury. It has everything it needs to kind of uh, think about a sense of identity. We may be questioning our, our, who we are and what we want um, and how we're going to go about getting it when Mercury moves into Leo. We'll talk about that in our daily forecast and when we talk about the first decan of Leo. Uh, it'll be sextiling Venus in Gemini and trining Mars in Aries. So a, con a condition of improvement there and then coming into its own square relationship with Uranus. So uh, we're going to be getting some shakeups in the mercurial areas of our life, uh, but it may be you know, impetus to, for growth and for change. And again, it's co-present with its host, which is a, a, a fortuitous position. So I would say that Mercury, uh, from the looks of it, 
is improving its condition despite being under the beams um, when it moves out of that kind of gauntlet relationship with Mars squaring and with Saturn and all of those other planets opposing. But, but it's kind of like out of the frying pan and into the, or out of the flame and into the frying pan. What is that, what's that phrase? I don't, I don't know. I'm going to mess up my, you know, anachronisms or whatever. If that's even the right word for that, I'm just trying to pull things out of my ass right now. Um, but basically, we're going to have one planet that was really having a difficult time and trading it for another with um, Mercury going through all that challenging position and then trading it for all the Venus stuff having its own challenges. Okay, so that's the, uh, where the planets are. Um, the moon is going through that full to disseminating phase. It's starting off in the uh, third phase, third phase of Aquarius. Actually, no, it is starting off in the first phase, but it has dignity in the third phase of Aquarius. Um, it will then be peregrine in the sign of Pisces and Aries, and then move into its exaltation, um, where it also has triplicity dignity by the nighttime when it's in Taurus at the end of the week. So we should see an improvement as we move through the week with our lunar significations as well. It's a little bit of a tough, tough sailing for the moon when it's in that opposition. Um, it's under the bond, which is sort of like under the beams. So it's a position of being maybe held captive by circumstance and not being able to manifest exactly the way that we want to, um, and maybe having to make some, some real compromises and concessions. Okay, so that's what we've got for the planetary condition report. Now, I'm going to move over to the star chart here for a minute, because I wanted to kind of just, uh, and talk about something for a second, because I thought I had some ideas about, um, I had some ideas that have been coming up about the realm of the fixed stars, and I saw some really cool astrological Twitter stuff going around. Um, there is a, a, a very good astrologer named Amaya. I believe her name is Amaya Rourke. She did a really great thread on the fixed stars on Twitter, and it's seeming that we are definitely kind of seeing a... An increase in awareness of their importance and almost like a recovery of the awareness of their importance in the astrological zeitgeist. And I think that that is really exciting. Um, and as I've described in the past, my moon's on, you know, uh, it right in the, the mouth of the, the whale, Cetus, and I believe that fixed star is called Menkar, where, you know, Maybe I'm tuned into these things, but I <laughs> think that I've been really getting an impulse to like study the fixed stars and, and really understand the sky. And, and it seems like that is, um, a, uh, I'm not the only one is I guess what I'm trying to say. And, and interesting that that's going around. And I will say that I've been attending these really great lectures by this, uh, this scholar named Dorian Greenbaum through the Sophia Center and the University of Wales. And that's been really enlightening. She talked a lot about fate in the last um, lecture that she gave and had some things to say about the sphere of the, of, of the fixed stars that I thought was important. And it kind of gave me an aha moment. Now, bear with me for a second. And she, um, she talks about, and I'm, I'm going to go on a small digression here before I get into the dailies, because I think that this is a, an important concept that I want to share and maybe get some clarity on. 
Um, so she is describing different types of fate. Uh, one of them is called Hemarmene, which was associated with uh, sort of circumstances that we were born into. But one of the real interesting realizations that I came to after her talk is she compared Hemarmene, one type of fate, with the three uh, fates of Greek mythology, Clotho, Atropos, and Lachesis. And I thought that was really interesting and brilliant. And one of the, the like aha moments, and just to sum it up, is that she associated uh, Clotho with the sphere of the fixed stars, the non-wandering portion, which uh, was a big like boom, 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 like all the light bulbs started flashing. And I was like, oh my God, this is really amazing and important. She associated a tropos. And now Clotho was the spinner of fate. So spinning the yarn of our kind of like of the life that we are going to choose and that we're going to live and that we have to follow some of the rules of. Okay. Um, the Gre ancient Greeks thought of there were some uh, parts of our fate that were destined and that we really just didn't have a ton of control over. But there was this other part of our fate called pronoia or providence that we had a little bit more agency with. And she was going into that in depth. And I don't have time here to go into that completely, but I wanted to give you the bullet points so that maybe you can start doing your own deep dives on this. But she talked about Clotho as the spinner, as the non-wandering portion, the non-wandering sphere. And remember, in the Ptolemaic Aristotelian understanding of the universe, we had a geocentric uh, sphere, which was like the where these planetary spheres were revolving around the earth as the center and then we had the planetary spheres outside of the the lunar realm okay uh, and then we had the sphere of the fixed stars and then the zodiacal prime mover outside of that and really interesting to say that, that she is saying that there is um contained within all of this we have the fixed stars, the non-wandering portion, the planets, which is associated with Atropos as the wandering portion, which is Atropos was the cutter of the thread. And then Lachesis is associated with the earthly portion, the sublunar realm, which was the weaver. So we, we have someone who is spinning the thread, cutting our portion, allotting our portion, and then we have Lachesis weaving those events into form. And associated with like the elements, the I would say the the moon could could be a, a a trigger with that because the moon is bringing things into being and passing out, and I just thought that that concept really gave me some interesting light bulbs. And I wanted to read you a quote from the book Hamlet's Mill that I've been talking a lot about, and and I would say pimping <laughs> out to every anyone who will listen, because there's a really great quote in here about why the fixed stars are important, because I want to make it clear that they, they thought about the fixed stars as almost having more power than the planets. So they say, uh, this is on page 151, The Twilight of the Gods, uh, and the author says, a distinction is immediately clear. The fixed stars are the essence of being. Their assembly stands for the hidden councils and the unspoken laws that rule the whole. The planets, seen as gods, represent the forces and the will. All the forces there are, each of them, all the forces there are, 
each of them seen as one aspect of heavenly power, each of them one aspect of the ruthless necessity, which was also associated with hemarmene, okay, and precision expressed by heaven. One might also say that while the fixed stars represent the kingly power, silent and unmoving, the planets are the executive power. Wow, that is pretty cool. So we, I think that when we're trying to think about fixed stars and even these planetary contacts with them, we've got kind of this like greater order that we're trying to work within. The fixed stars are setting like the more of the, the rules and the planets are like, as you know, Hamlet's Mill said, is the willpower. And this has been uh, talked about with my, uh, my studies with my teacher, Achyuta Baba Das, where he talks about the, um, the Hindu perspective on the planets. They call him, them grahas or grabbers, which talks about a will that we're trying to exert. And we've talked about in our forecast here the difference between the divine primary motion, which is the motion of the fixed stars, okay, where they are moving in clockwise motion versus the movement of the planets, which is secondary motion. Now, why would we call primary motion primary? Okay, the movement of the sun over the, the horizon and in essence, the, the fixed stars move with the sun. Okay, why would we call that primary if it didn't have primary importance? These planetary movements, I would assert then are secondary in importance and represent maybe our more earthly wills that we're trying to exert on this plane. Now, when we understand fixed stars, we may be able to make almost like a compromise. That's where the pranoia comes in, because the pranoia and the, and the provenance is understanding that we're working within some of these divine laws and mandates of the fixed stars themselves will allow us to understand what kind of wiggle room we may have with the planetary will. And man, that, 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 that to me is such an important realization. And it, it, it actually, what I felt when I was exploring that was just this confirmation of the importance of this journey that I'm, that I'm going on. I've been getting this like, this, this, this um, grinding, grinding millstone <laughs> desire to really understand these constellations and these fixed stars. And it's, it's been driving this passion to really uncover this mystery. And it's really nice when you have a signpost along the journey that's an, the aha, one of the aha moments. Now, it, it brings up all sorts of new questions, which is what this will eternally be like, I've accepted at this point. Um, but it, it's kind of cool to see that. And I would encourage any of you that are um, thinking about going down this, this path of learning these things that... And that's why I would encourage that as, as it being very, very important. We can't limit our astrology, I think, to just planetary study. I think that would only be giving us the earth, almost like the earthly picture <laughs> and not the divine picture. Because we want to understand the divine law. The fixed stars is the, is the entry point to that. And uh, let me know, how can, how can I be more of service to you to help you understand that? Um, would you be interested in like uh, me putting together more teachings around that more specific like classes or readings or, th or things of that nature that's focused specifically on that. I'm, I'm, I'm very open to what uh, the needs of my uh, audience and community is here. And that may help uh, 
you know, the direction and give me some direction to hear your feedback on, on how that would look for you as far as how it would be most useful. So I would love to hear your comments on that. That, always, that feedback really does help. Okay, so that being said, let's move forward to Monday the 3rd, um, and we'll, we'll unpack all of that. Now, let's go back to our, our chart for a minute, and we can see on Monday, August the 3rd, and I'm going to start putting the sun on the horizon here. So thanks for, for indulging me in that little teaching digression, but uh, I, I think it is, I do feel it a necessity to be um, very thorough and, and give you the why of what, what I'm doing here. I, I'm never really satisfied with just, uh, you know, using the techniques to be great um, at what we do and to really have true understanding. I really think that it's important to get into the why, not just the how. Um, because if we know the why, we're going to have a much greater understanding of the how. Uh, and that, that is a very, very important. I would say if you're a budding astrologer, don't just take uh, people's word for things. You do definitely have to do your own observation and research. And I don't want to uh, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist here because there are definitely rules out there that I think that are, uh, it's okay to follow. There are consensuses that I think are okay to accept. Um, and we've seen this in our scientific community right now. I think if we, uh, it is important to do our own research, but we can't just completely deny all of the um, consensuses right off the bat. Um, and it's true in our astrology too. Ask questions, but you know, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater is what I'll say with that because um, I, want, I want to be clear about that. Okay, so let's go on to Monday the 3rd. Monday the 3rd is really punctuated by a full moon in Aquarius at 11 degrees opposing the, uh, the Leo sun. So let's move forward to just that particular um, experience here. And that's going to happen around noon. And you can see this is happening with an opposition between the sun and the moon. A full moon is always an opposition between the two lights. So this is a, full moons are always kind of challenging. It's a disharmony between the lights. Um, they are in an adversarial type of position. And, and this is why, you know, we have a lot of people kind of freak out a little bit at full moons because we, we're, we're trying to reconcile two very disparate positions in the zodiac. And... We're going to start our day off with a square between the moon and Uranus at 10 degrees of Aquarius and, uh, and Taurus. So that's a big part of our story here. You could see we've got a big T-square happening at this, um, this full moon with this opposition. Okay, you can see this here. There is this standoff, this big fixed, and this is in a really fixed part of the zodiac. The second decan of any fixed sign is very unmoving. This is the part of the seasons and the part of our solar year where, um, you know, whatever season we're in, it's very entrenched. And right now we're very entrenched in summer. The heat is very constant. It's very like, you know, it's hot and it, there's not a lot of shifts within that right now. And we have three decans that we're dealing with and three tarot cards that we can kind of look to for per perhaps some more stories. And we have the, the six of wands representing the solar story. And that is represented by a figure that is returning home 
victorious from war, uh, associated with a, uh, a military victory. It was also called a crown of laurels in 36 faces. Um, and that is opposing the moon in the second decan of Aquarius, where we see a figure who is leaving and crossing a river. So we've got this coming home and this leaving kind of dichotomy that we're trying to balance out. And the, the questions that may be coming up is, are we returning back to a place of security? Are we coming back to a place of, of knowing? And, or are we uh, traversing into unknown territory, the known versus the unknown? And we can also derive some significations from Uranus, which is uh, represented by the six of pentacles right now in the second decan of Taurus. And we see a figure that is giving out uh, alms to the poor. So there may be something that's getting shaken up in this story of staying or going, uh, of coming home or leaving. And, and we're really maybe having to decide what is fair? What, is, uh, what type of uh, resources do we have? What kind of negotiations are we, are we going to be working on? And what kind of new um, arrangement are we going to be coming to with the new knowledge that we have of what the actual reality of material resources are. Um, and I can say from experience that that's been how my week's been playing out as we've been building to a, a full moon um, this weekend as well. Um, so when we talk a little bit about the sun in, in the first decan, I'm sorry, the second decan of Leo, uh, we may be feeling a sense of pride and a sense of an entitlement to something. Um, we may be feeling like we want to be the king of our own particular castle. We may be seeing in the collective uh, authority figures that are, are making attempts to solidify their own power and declare some kind of victory, an early victory. And we, I, I would say that, uh, the news that I came, became aware of today with Donald Trump floating the possibility of postponing the election would be akin to him declaring a victory, I would say. Um, there's these, these memes going around. He's like, oh, let's postpone the election for a year or for, for 12 months and three years. <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, uh, that's insane. Um, but this is not only happening in our country. Uh, I, there was news in Hong Kong that they are, want to postpone their election for a year due to COVID and those issues. Now, I don't think that the public is going to respond to this news very well at all. There are plenty of people in both of those countries that are very much looking forward to an election and to poten a potential shift of power, maybe more towards the, the, the populace. And we can see that represented by the moon uh, taking up its residence in the second decan of Aquarius. Now, we have the quality of selection and the people who are the chosen ones with the, with the sun in Leo. That concept was, according to Schmidt, uh, of, of the solar consciousness as the selected ones. And the concept of Saturn, which is the ruler of the moon right now in Aquarius, is the exiled, the ones that are on the fringes, on the outside. So we have, we're trying to figure out 
the people with power versus the collective right now. And that is the, the main theme of this, this um, full moon. And throwing a monkey wrench within that is this disruptive Promethean quality where we're trying to make an, uh, bring something new into existence materially. Uh, and again, I think this is reflected in the negotiations that are happening in Congress trying to pass a second stimulus bill. And they are, as of my last understanding, they're at a standoff. Um, there was a HEROES Act that was passed in Congress in the Democratic House. It w has not been passed in the, in the Republican Senate. Um, there, were, there were attempts to like take little bits and pieces of that to extend unemployment benefits, as you can see here in the six of, of pentacles, that, that's unemployment benefits. If you, there's no other card I could see that would be manifested <laughs> more than the six of pentacles with a figure giving out uh, resources to people in need. Um, and there was a, a refusal on the other side because they were not willing to separate that out and wanted to pass the more, um, I guess, the more generous HEROES Act in its entirety. And now we're at this standstill. So I would say as we move forward into the weekend and the next week, probably there will be some movement with that because we can't stay in this standstill forever. But that may be the, the standoff that we're experiencing. We've got people with the power, the government, and the, the populace looking for help and uh, looking to have free and fair elections at a time that we're supposed to have free and fair elections um, and maintaining our democracy right now. And so those are the questions that we're going to be asking, asking as a collective and that we're going to see reflected in our personal lives as well. So um, this is a sort of a, a Mercury uh, Jupiter type of challenge as well, because this, uh, the moon is in the double Mercury face of Aquarius, okay, Chaldean and triplicity system, and the sun is in the double Jupiter face of Leo. So we have this like questioning, destabilizing influence with the moon and this attempt at, at unity, this attempt at um, confirmation, this attempt at like authority with the sun. Now, at, as of the full moon, both of these hosts and face hosts, okay, are in aversion. So there's this blind spot. Oh, actually, here it is right there. Sorry, I circled Saturn, but I meant to circle Jupiter. And we've got Jupiter in its fall, which is not able to really provide much at all. Mercury is in aversion to the sun. So it's, like I said, it's just, we're not getting anywhere fast. <laughs> so hopefully we'll see a resolution to this as we move through our week. Um, I know that we will eventually, because that's just how time works. Um, but, but that may be help us to come to an understanding. And I, I think that the reaction to this is patience um, and recognizing that there's a lot of different um, needs that we're going to be working through. Now, this standoff is also echoed in the other non-lunar aspect of this day. And that is the opposition between Mercury and Saturn at 27 degrees of Capricorn and Cancer, respectively. Now, in this, we can see a story play out with the four of cups and the four of pentacles. Now, in the four of cups, we have a figure who is, is refusing the hand of the divine and refusing the, more than they need. 
Okay. Whereas in the four of pentacles, we see a figure seated on his throne, holding on very tightly to his pentacles. And so we have this, um, uh, this standoff between the excess and what to do with it and, and people that are either responsible for distributing that excess and, you know, the, the desire potentially to, to hold on to it, uh, as we can see here with these Capricorn planets. Now, as I'm thinking about this in real time, the, the story also involves the three of pentacles, which is figures trying to come to an agreement and try to come to a plan, okay? But Saturn definitely is in that, in that four, uh, third decan there where we see the, the status quo, the people in power are, are holding on very tightly um, to those resources. Um, Mercury will be kind of a, conjoining that fixed star procyon, which is uh, part of the, I believe, the little dog. And I talked about this last week where Procyon was one of the stars that rose before Sirius, which was much more important in the sky story. So it was associated with some fleeting success or temporary success. So we may see like maybe a compromise that doesn't really get the job done for very long. It may be a temporary solution. That could be part of the, the thing that we are experiencing. Um, Saturn will also be on the fixed star Terabellum, which is part of the tale of Sagittarius, where we can think of, uh, it's part of the research I did said it was good fortune followed by regrets, um, like a mercenary energy. So we may have some disheartening news that we get, some pessimism or worry, self-doubt. There is potentially a no. Traverse or commerce could be delayed or have pro problems with it. Again, this reflects in the collective, at least where we're at, uh, trying to figure out how we're going to stimulate um, the collective, the economy, all of those things. Uh, there's also wrapped up within that questions of going back to school and all of those things right now and how would we do that safely or not. Okay, so that's what I have for Monday. Now, the first aspect that happens when we uh, leave the bond is going to be a trine to the planet Venus. That is the one thing that gives me some hope with this is that we will see the moon, uh, once it leaves this difficult opposition, it will come to a trine with Venus, very close to the fixed star Betelgeuse, which is a, a, a fixed star of success. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but this is one where we, you know, maybe, maybe we will be able to come to an agreement and maybe it won't be everything that we want. Maybe we'll really have to like make a compromise and we really won't be completely satisfied, but we've got to work within the limitations that we've been given at this point. Okay, let's move forward to Tuesday, August the 4th. So on Tuesday, August the 4th, the moon will be moving into the sign of Pisces at 1027 p.m., so spending most of the day in Aquarius, then moving into the sign of Pisces. It was still that moon, full moon phase, the moon will escape the bond at about 6.30 p.m. So you can see that that's when it's outside of the 15-degree opposition point. Okay? Uh, it'll make a sextile to Mars at 2.45 a.m. at 19 degrees of Aquarius to 19 degrees of Aries. It will be trining Venus, as I spoke of, exactly at 5.45 p.m. Uh, and then moving into Pisces at 10.27 p.m. Um, now, there's a little bit of gray area here with the leaving the bond. 
it does technically leave leave the bond after the applying aspect to Venus, but I think it's close enough that that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fudge that detail there and say that it's probably that is the closest first aspect. Um, otherwise, what we have the next aspect after Venus, I think. Man, what do we have here? It would probably be a sextile to Jupiter, um, which is still contact with a benefic. So I'm, I'm going to say that either way, there will be some sort of positive resolution to this standoff that we have here. The non-lunar aspect of the day is Mars is making a, an over, uh, or receiving an overcoming square from Jupiter. So again, this speaks to uh, a conflict, but the benefic being in the upper position. So some kind of resolution, but again, that resolution not being completely satisfying with, with uh, Jupiter being in Capricorn in its fall. So I, I really see this as like a kind of take your medicine type of uh, resolution where it's like, ugh, we didn't, we didn't get what we want. It sucks. There's corruption behind the scenes with it. It's not really fair, but it's better than nothing. I would say it would be how this could play out. Um, we're seeing a square in our uh, tarot narrative between Mars in the second decan of Aries, which we can associate with the three of wands. And, okay, you can see this here, where we're seeing the ships going off into the distance and trying to create sovereignty. We're trying to create power in our own world and establish our own authority. And then the need to work with others with the three of pentacles and establish an, an ornate structure or build a pyramid like uh, Austin Kopic likes to say in 36 Faces. So this, this square is going to be about sovereignty versus cooperation. And Jupiter being in the upper position, cooperation really is, the, the I think, what is going to win out. We can't really assert our, our own authority and win in this standoff, if that makes sense. So we have to learn how we kind of can maintain some of our independence and our own authority while attempting to create something tangible that requires teamwork, okay? So also the one thing that I could see with this is potentially some military theatrics also with uh, Mars squared Jupiter. This could also lead to some grandiose thinking as far as like how the, it plays out in the collective, maybe uh, a, an arrogance that we could also see with this. Uh, creating some anger. Uh, it could be expanding our anger because of our need to like submit to this, um, I don't know, this position that isn't ideal. Uh, you know, remember when we have Jupiter in a, in a really positive condition like Sagittarius or Pisces, that's really idealistic. We're, we're really like, that's where we're trying to connect with our vision, our, our vision of, of heaven. Now, when Jupiter is in the sign of Capricorn, we, all we have access to really is this vision of contraction, this vision of earthly wisdom. And, and that's not as satisfying because it's not idealistic. It's like, oh, we got to get in touch with this reality. And that's never fun. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a necessity, but it's not necessarily fun. The other thing that will be happening um, on August the 4th, is that we will see Mercury moving into the sign of Leo. Okay, so we can see here at about roughly 11.30 p.m. 
Okay. Mercury is going to move into Leo. So it's, it's really going to, we're going to feel it more into Wednesday, you know, on the East coast or like, but, um, so we'll talk, well, let's, let's break that down a little bit. Okay. So Mercury, according to Schmidt is a destabilizer. It is something that is creating, is casting doubt. It is, uh, it has universal significations of commerce, communication, technology, uh, Mercury is a, is a questioner where we, where we are, remember it was Mercury or Hermes was the child of Zeus and of Maya, the knight. So we have this combination of, of wisdom and knowing and this darkness and this, this potentially this ignorance. And Mercury was the point, it ruled the signs and the point of the solar year, uh, Virgo and Gemini that were um, destabilizing the power of the sun, the power of gnosis, the power of wisdom, and heading into the increase of the power of the night. So Gemini precedes the solstice where the power of the sun is at its height and we start to increase the power of night. And it also precedes the fall equinox where the days start to become less longer than the night. The night begins to gain in power. So I think that's another way to think of Mercury. So what is Mercury going to be doing when it, it, it visits the domicile of the sun, of knowledge, of gnosis, of identity, of, of wisdom? Well, it's going to be casting doubt on that. And the first decan of Leo is Saturn ruled. It is, a, it is Saturn ruled in the Chaldean system, and it is uh, solar ruled in the uh, triplicity system. So we're trying to balance out identity, gnosis, wisdom with our ignorance. So what's going to happen when Mercury moves there? We're going to be questioning who we are. And Austin Kopic talks a lot about uh, um, selectively revealing or concealing the self. Uh, he talks about masks being important in this particular area. And what masks are we going to wear as we are trying on different identities? So this is about learning how to master our own appearances. So we may be, Mercury may be testing out these new identities and, and trying new things out. Remember, as de a destabilizer, it's casting doubt on the certainty and just like we would in the sign of Gemini, one of the, the uh, signs that Mercury is at home in, we may be trying on different things and, and exploring different identities, exploring different ways of creating wisdom, playing different roles in search of our authentic self that we may come to through the journey of Leo. Okay? In the second decan, really, we're trying to find authenticity. Okay, that, that's where the victory that is achieved in the second decan that we see in the tarot is the victory associated with establishing who we are. And the third decan of Leo is, establish, is, is defending who we are. It's a Mars world decan. Okay? We're celebrating who we are in the second decan and defending who we are in the third. So we move from Saturn to Jupiter to Mars in this particular uh, the Chaldean order and this movement through the, the sign of Leo. Okay, so as as a as individuals, what can we do with Mercury in the sign of of Leo, especially this first decade? We can ask a lot of questions about who we want to be next 
And we're going to be getting some shakeups on who we are and what we are doing with a square now to Mercury. I'm sorry, to Uranus. And we got a real big shakeup when with the square from the sun to Uranus. And we probably had to swallow a few uh, hard truths about where we really stand in relationship to the world and, and what the new reality is of our circumstances. And now we have to kind of figure out uh, and go into the underworld. See what we've got here with Mercury traveling under the beams of the sun to try to find that new sense of identity, that new sense of truth that is going to serve the new reality that came after this or that will come after this shakeup that we are receiving with the sun square Uranus. Now we are getting some help. We're getting some help from Mars. We're getting the ability to take action. We're getting the ability to, uh, to do something and get off our butts and be inspired towards some kind of action. Now that action has to still work within certain constraints, okay, with all this stuff squaring Mars. So it's like, can you make a new start, but can you make a new humble start? This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. I've been doing a lot of like my homework. I've been doing a lot of research into new ways of doing astrology. I've been leaving behind some old uh, identities with my music and trying to, you know, figure out what the next steps are. And like, uh, just to let you in on my own process, I'm like, uh, I've been, you know, taking a little break and figuring out what the next stages are. And really, the ne and that's why I'm asking the question, what, what as a community would be the best way for me to serve you and a best way to like create uh, a, uh, a functional exchange? I guess that would be the other thing too, is that, you know, on my own personal level, how do my own questions are, how do I make a living doing this? And what services would best serve my community? And that's, those are the questions we may be asking ourselves as well. Our own personal needs versus the needs of our milieu and our collective. And um, with Mercury moving through Leo, we might have to try some things out. We may have to be willing to experiment with that a little bit. And I think that that's an important part of the end of our summer here. Now, also, just reflecting on the Saturnian energy that's present, um, I don't think it's a good time to to un oh, to to uh, uh, unveil this huge project. So in my in my own life, I've been thinking about, wow, I need to make this huge course I could offer. Maybe it's not time for a big huge course. Maybe it's time for like a weekend workshop. Maybe it's time for something that's more humble, that is more sustainable, that isn't this huge commitment from people, that it's more a temporary commitment or a smaller commitment that's more digestible or, or palatable. And maybe you can apply that to your own life too. Instead of rolling out the big grandiose project right now, is there maybe something new that you can roll out that is a little bit more humble, that works within the circumstances? Because the circumstance, the, the, the truth of the matter is that uh, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic we're still potentially facing lockdowns and difficulty with meeting with groups of people. We're still facing uh, a 30% reduction in the gross domestic product of, of a country like America and a, an economy that's probably in some of the facing the biggest challenges and, and recession and depression that we may be facing. 
So how can you still create a, a sustainable future within that knowledge? And I would strongly encourage you not to take that for granted. Because if you are trying to roll out a big project within those circumstances, the only person that you're really going to be making suffer is yourself when you finally face, have to face the music. If you've invested, like let's say you have to make an investment to roll out this new infrastructure, and then it may, the payoff may not be what you're expecting. So I would limit your expenditures of energy, of uh, investment, so that your payoff may not be the big grandiose payoff that you're dreaming of, but you may be able to, to uh, establish a foundation for that future right now, starting from a more humble position. Okay, let's move forward. I think that's a pretty succinct way of summing that up. And I, I've, I'm feeling that in my own life, so I can, I can definitely speak from experience on this. And I, I, I have a feeling that this is something that's the, the collective that we may be going through as well. So let's move forward to Wednesday, the 5th. Okay, I'm going to put the sun on the horizon here on Wednesday, the 5th. And on Wednesday, the 5th, we have the moon moving through Pisces. We're still in that full moon unfolding phase. On my chart here at 7 a.m., the moon's on Fomalhaut, which is a, a visionary fixed star, one that's associated with artistry and wizardry. <laughs> so maybe you have some really good ideas on Wednesday about this. Uh, the moon will be sextiling Uranus. So again, there will be some support for establishing this new identity that you are, are working through. Um, so there's some pretty cool uh, fixed stars that Venus will be moving over over the, the middle of the week as well. And the first one that it's going to be moving over is the fixed star Polaris. So at 28 degrees uh, of Gemini, um, Venus will be conjoining by projected ecliptical degree Polaris, which is in the constellation Ursa Minor. Uh, also, what we'll see on this day before I switch over to our star map is the sun will be conjoining the fixed star Acubens at 13 degrees of Leo, which is in the constellation of Cancer. So I'll unpack both of those at the same time to streamline this. Um, the other thing we're going to see is that Mars here is going to be moving into the third decan of Aries. And this is associated with four of wands. All right. It's a Venus-Jupiter face. It is uh, talked about as... Um, trying to win over a hostile crowd. So this may be a point in our Mars cycle where we're trying to uh, get a team behind us. We're, we've established that we need to create a new identity, that we need a new sovereignty. We need to do something new in our life to, to, to move forward because the old way of doing things just isn't really working anymore. And But now we have to kind of try to... Um, I think this is a point where we're trying to sell the idea and we're trying to get support. Uh, it may not be the easiest thing in the world. We, we uh, associate this kind of Mars-Venus energy with Eros, which is erotic desire, attempts to win over a hostile crowd. We may also see this associated with desire that's created by separation. We may have an awareness of a separation that creates, you know, the kind of the absence makes the heart grow fonder type of experience. You can think about this as a Romeo and Juliet energy, forbidden passion. Um, this may be where we're putting a lot more of our martial energy into performance and creating through our charisma. This is a very charismatic position for Mars. So, so keep an eye out for um, situations where you can use your 
charisma and almost, I don't know, maybe your glamour magic to, to, to gain a following for this new thing that you are trying to create. All right. So let me move forward to my star map here. Now I will say this is something I still have not completely reconciled in my brain. Um, and this was true after reading Amaya Rourke's thread too, as she was talking a lot about the concept of parans or, or paranatella, uh, as it was called in the ancient. I believe I'm saying that right. I could be a syllable off on that. <laughs> Versus projected ecliptical degree. And just briefly, that is the concept of uh, conjoining a fixed star by projecting a, almost an imaginary line out from this green line, the ecliptic and seeing what fixed stars align with it, and seeing what fixed stars are on the angles, okay, the ascendant, the MC, the descendant, and the IC, while other planets are on that particular angle, creating a relationship between them. And, and I think the answer is that both do work. Um, the problem I have with this for a generalized forecast is that Parans is very location specific. So I may be able to say something that is true for one location or for one person in their birth chart, but I, it is more difficult to make a generalized forecast for that because what is true in one location is not necessarily true in another one because fixed stars, their positions change with the, the latitude that we have uh, on the earth. Um, so I'm going to stick with uh, projected ecliptical degree for now. With, with the caveat that I still uh, reserve the right, maybe even to change my mind or to, to refine that understanding later. All right, so first of all, let's take a look at Venus. There's Venus. Venus is going to be projecting, now this is where we take a leap because it's projecting out and it's going to be conjoining Polaris, which is at the celestial pole. So you can see here on Wednesday the 5th, we've got Venus coming right almost into alignment with Polaris. Now you can see here that Polaris is the tail of the little bear, okay? And we've got, so that's Ursa Minor, and that's the Little Dipper. So if I were, and I don't want to take, you know, too, many, too much time with this, but you can see that we've got the, the Little Dipper, okay? And we've got Ursa Major is the Big Dipper, okay? So you can see those, those constellations very clearly in the sky. They're one, some of the most recognizable constellations. Now, in ancient times, we had the Pole Star was not Polaris. There is this interesting concept called precession, which, which means that the wobble of the Earth like a top, like a spinning top, makes the appearance of these fixed stars changing over time. That's why we see the vernal equinox, the spring equinox, rising within a different constellation over the course of history. And the rate of precession is, a, is roughly one degree every 72 years. So, and as I'm learning through my archaeoastronomy explorations, my, my Indiana Jones-like uh, journeys through this, is that, you know, a lot of our cultural mythology, a lot of our ancient mystic and religious traditions were based on the transition of these solar points, 
solstices and equinoxes rising in different constellations. And those different constellations, these fixed stars were, remember I said at the beginning of this, they were divine. They were divinities. They were literal gods in the sky. And we can see a lot of our cultural mythology and, and religious traditions based on this observation. Now, Polaris, before Polaris, there was, I believe, the fixed star that was at the center was Thuban, which was part of this, this great dragon here. And I'm not exactly sure where it is. It's, it's around here somewhere, okay, within the dragon, Draco. And this dragon was part of the mythology that we see over many different cultures that it talks about guarding a great treasure. And in ancient times, before we had the bears, these two constellations were the wings of this great dragon, okay? Uh, although the bear is an ancient symbol too. The, the bear is like goddess energy. Anytime we have this point of the pole star, this is a place of stillness. This is a place of centeredness. This is a place that doesn't appear to move in the sky over the course of a day. It's, it's fixed in its position. That's why it's easy to navigate with. So when we think about Polaris, we think about it being the pole star. We think about navigational guidance and pathfinding, single-mindedness, a single point of centeredness, a goal that we may be striving towards, a point of stillness. And with Venus conjoining this point, this may be a point of stillness within our relationships where we can very clearly see the goal. We can very clearly see the divinity that we may be striving towards as far as what we are trying to create harmony with. We can very clearly see the duality and what we are trying to move towards bringing together. Now, this is important when we talk about the dragon because what is the dragon guarding? The dragon in the sky is guarding, according to our myths, and those, this, this, these ancient uh, mystics, they were astronomers, they were scientists, they were, they were their own type of scientist. And we've dismissed them as like these archaic minds that were um, primitive. But what they're really telling us is, is the way that they have been observing this scientific phenomenon over thousands and thousands of years. And by dismissing it, we're going through life with one eye closed. Some of the ancient astronomers and, or the modern astronomers and scientists are coming face to face with truths that the mystics were able to uncover through this different type of language. And I think it's, it's, um, there's a wealth or a treasure trove of knowledge that we would be missing if we didn't try to unpack these mythologies as well. And this great dragon, this is the dragon that is guarding in, say, Christian uh, tradition. This is the Garden of Eden. He guards the apples, the gold. He guards the golden apples. Okay. He guards the the wisdom of divinity. All right. And you know he he is guarding a great treasure, and that great treasure is the immortality. And so we can think about this place of like maybe a search for our own immortality and our own sense of divinity and our own way that Venus is going to be pulling on that energy right now in our relationships okay now before these constellations became more part of a, a more patriarchal system in the greek system it started turning more towards the patriarch uh this was a point of 
the goddess and the goddess was associated with immortality and with in divinity and, and places of stillness. Now, Polaris and the bears were more of a uh, passive type of feminine strength, I guess you could say, a receptive quality. Whereas with Draco, they were thinking of it more of a, a strength that was a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more, I don't know, masculinized, but in, in the, the true sense of that word. And that, that means, I would say, active rather than passive, not necessarily gender-based. Okay, so this may be a point where we're having to be receptive to the divine within our relationships uh, over on Wednesday, August the 5th, and really getting clear as to what the goal is that we're moving to in our relationships. Okay, so let's go back to uh, our sun and acubens. Now you can see, this is kind of neat. How pretty is that? Now what we're seeing on the screen here is the sun being held in the claw of the constellation of the crab, okay? It's like literally light lit up, being lit up there. And here we can see the fixed star acubens, which is very close to that uh, claw. And this is an interesting constellation. Remember, we're in the, the tropical sign of Leo, but we still have, because of precession, we have the, con the fixed stars of, of, of cancer in this particular space. And the Egyptians thought of this uh, constellation as a scarab beetle, which was also associated with immortality and resurrection. Uh, and I'll quote from uh, Bernadette Brady's book, that uh, the scarab beetle was rising from the dead and setting upon the empty throne in the boat of Ra, okay? And so we're, we're seeing like this rebirth uh, energy with, with the constellation of Cancer. Because um, back in those times, that heralded when, when it was rising in that particular area, uh, it, was, it was rising with Sirius, the dog star, and that, that was about the return of life to the, uh, to the Nile River Valley and things of that nature. Um, and also, this was a gateway. This was one of the places. Now, I don't know exactly how this works. I'm still working this out in my brain, so I won't go too deeply into it yet. But um, I was reading about the Milky Way uh, and how it was associated with the gateway of souls. Uh, and in the galactic center and things of that nature. And this area that was where the, um, I believe that the ancients believed that the gateway was open during the solstices. Okay, and the, the gateway in was around that summer solstice, around when the fixed stars were, or when the sun was rising in the constellation of Cancer. And then the gateway was, was you know, things were leaving around that winter solstice, around the Capricorn. And there is a specific alignment of the murky of the murky <laughs> murky way the, the Milky Way, where it 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 looks like it aligns like as a an entry point and an exit point with how it lines up with the horizon and with the uh, the solstice point. Okay, so we'll unpack that at a different time, but just keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about Cancer and Capricorn significations. And I'll keep doing my my homework and hopefully bring you more insights as I go along. Okay, so acubens is uh, 
you know, associate, we may, what we may be experiencing with the sun on Acubens is we've maybe sort of had some of our worldview shattered by the sun Uranus square, some of our identity shattered, and some of the things that our sense of self and how we uh, asserted our authority and commanded authority may have experienced maybe even some form of a defeat where we got to kind of lick our wounds a little bit and humble ourselves. And uh, now with, with, as we move forward through Wednesday, how do we rebuild that? How, do, how are we reborn with this new sense of self with the sun conjoining that fixed star of acubins? And what can we hang on to with the crab claw here? What are we still able to retain as, as a part of our identity from the, the old shattering that will, will help us to build towards the new one. So I think that's a way to think about this a little bit as well. This is the recovery period, I think, after the sun Uranus square. And this fixed star is going to be helping. And this part of the sky was thought of as a cradle, the manger. We talked about that. We have those celestial donkeys, the asses, Australis, Acellus Australis, and Acellus Borealis, these two uh, northern and southern asses. And this was the manger area. So if we think about Christian symbolism, a lot of symbolism that we're getting here was from this constellation in particular as well. Um, and another thing, just a, just a little side note, is at the uh, summer solstice, the sun appears to do this kind of 180 and zigzag in the sky. Like it's sort of, uh, it's got this height at the solstice and then it starts to descend. And you can see that in the sign of cancer as we have the, it's not just these claws, it's the, it's the movement of the sun reversing course, basically, and the ecliptic starting to, and, and, and moving closer to the celestial equator and the days starting to get shorter, okay? So it's the reversal of that power of the sun. And I learned this from a really great astrologer that I hope to learn more from and potentially do some study with. His name is Gemini Brett, Brett Joseph. And he does some really great work on the, the glyphs of the signs and of the planets. And, and I believe he's someone after my own, uh, uh, I would say, state of mind who wants to, who, who will not accept just the surface uh, like rules and wants to get to the, to the really the good why. And he's about, I would say, a decade ahead of me on this, <laughs> so <laughs> on the path. So I'll be taking notes. Um, but check him out, too. He did a really good talk with, um, I believe he just did an interview with a good friend of mine, Michael Bryan, who has an awesome podcast. Uh, I don't remember exactly the name of it, but check, my, check out Michael Bryan. He's doing Michael A. Bryan. Uh, Bryant? Bryan? He's doing some really good work and in interviewing a lot of really, uh, I would say, heavy hitters in the field of astrology. He just did something with Gary Caton, too. And um, he's a very great uh, her hermetic voice, both Gemini Brett Michael and uh, Gary Caton have done their, their homework with hermetic wisdom. Now, that is something that I've dabbled with, but it's a whole thing that it's probably part of the journey with this. I can see this, how this is unfolding for myself is study ancient astrology, get your worldview completely shattered with that, with traditional astrology. Then you move on to literally understanding the sky itself and the fixed stars and that. And then you get into the alchemy part of it. Uh, with, uh, you know, hermetic wisdom. And um, there's only so many hours in the day, though, so I have to, I'm going to have to, you know, uh, 
I'm sure I will dive into that more at some point, but it just hasn't happened yet. Um, I have some ideas about hermetic philosophy. Um, and I have some books. I always have some books, but give me, give me some time <laughs> to uncover it all. Okay. So let's go back to our chart. That's what I've got for Wednesday the 5th. Let's move forward to uh, August the 6th, Thursday, August the 6th. So on Thursday, August the 6th, the moon will still be in Pisces. We'll be continuing our full moon phase, getting very close to moving to the disseminating phase where, we're, where we understand the revelation that we, we got at the full moon and now we're be able to put it to use and, and spread our ideas out into the world and spread that seed and disseminate it out into the world. The moon will be making a sextile to Jupiter retrograde at 12, 19 p.m. at 19 degrees of Pisces and, and Capricorn. We're going to see a conjunction between the moon and retrograde Neptune at 2, 11 p.m. at 20 degrees of Pisces. And then the moon will sextile uh, retrograde Pluto at 7.37 p.m. at 23 degrees of Pisces and Capricorn. Now we see another thing that is pretty cool on this day that I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, is that right here at about 29 degrees or so, Venus will be conjoining a very prominent fixed star, a very fortunate fixed star, according to all of my research, called Betelgeuse. Okay, and let's go back to our um, sky, sky chart and we'll take a look at Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse is around 29 uh, degrees of Gemini and the final degrees of Gemini. And it is the right arm of Orion, okay? The right arm of the god. And you can see that here as we move forward here. August 6th, we've got Venus conjoining by projected ecliptical degree, Betelgeuse. 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 <laughs> I can say it three times. We've got Orion's belt here, and we've got uh, Bellatrix in the left arm, Betelgeuse in the right arm, okay? Sif, I believe you say it, in one knee, and then Rigel, the foot that is in the whirlpool or in the, in the river of the Eurydantes, or Eurydanus. Eurydanus? Okay, I think that's how I say it. Now, Betelgeuse is the right arm of the god. And remember we talked about that a lot of these fixed stars come in pairs. One of the pair, like the celestial asses, it, one of them is more fortunate than the other. We had Castor and Pollux as another binary type of star, but we, it came in pairs. And Betelgeuse and Bellatrix are, are you know, uh, continuing that tradition where we have Bellatrix being a little bit more challenging and we have Betelgeuse being a little bit more fortuitous. And they, some of these is based on its position, right versus left, north versus south in relationship with the ecliptic. So here we have the right, the right side, the right arm. Uh, and it, you can see that the right arm is holding this club. It's got power. It's got agency. It's not holding this shield here. It's, it's not trying to defend from something. It's, it's active. There's an active principle of, of uh, I would say, masculine power, authority. Um, success without complications is something that it said. Remember, Orion was one of the most successful hunters. He was, you know, he was able to, like, defeat many enemies. Not the scorpion because he, he got a little too full of himself. He got a little bit of a hubris, but he was a mighty, mighty hunter and uh, many conquests. Um, so this is, I would say this would amplify our Venus energy to create 
a successful outcome, whether it is in a social relationship or with some kind of artistic success, it, it would, I think it will bolster our positive uh, attitude and expectation. It gives us confidence. So we may have confidence as we, we've you know, gone through that Gemini journey uh, and finally maybe see some results to, to the, uh, you know, trying to harmonize and unify the contradictions that we are experiencing. And this is going to happen right before it moves into the sign of cancer, where we're seeing the union. That's where we really get the union. We're, we're, we're making a choice at the end of Gemini, and then we see the union of the new uh, with, with Venus moving into cancer. Okay. And remember, this may be part of the beginning of our journey from uh, a more boorish type of uh, raw experience that is born out of ignorance, like the fool. You can think of Orion as the fool card. And what we're trying to move towards through that experience of having stepping foot in the river and going through the experience of the, the zodiac, and we end up as Hercules. We end up as the hero. We end up as the, uh, the, someone with a, a bright fixed star in the head. Like the fixed star in the head of Orion is very dim. He's not using rational intellect to do things. He's using raw instincts. He's using brute force. And we were maybe beginning our transition from that brute force way of doing things to refinement through, uh, through our journey and through whatever we may be stepping foot into as we move forward. Okay, so that is uh, Venus hanging out with Betelgeuse in the constellation of Orion. See what happens on Thursday. You might feel a little boost of energy, a little boost of hope, a little boost of maybe having a, a, some kind of wind in the sails of your new journey. So let's go back here to our chart. And we're going to look at excuse me, Friday, Friday, August the 7th. On Friday, August the 7th, the sun is in Pisces, moving into Aries at 9.04 a.m. We will be firmly in that disseminating phase by now where we're able to really understand what, what uh, the fallout is from the full moon or the gifts of it, of awareness, um, of the compromise that we had to make. The moon will be making a sextile to Saturn retrograde at 3.52 a.m. from 27 degrees of Pisces to Capricorn. Uh, it will make a square to Venus on uh, Betelgeuse at 8.53 a.m. So we just have to be careful that um, our hope doesn't run into too idealistic of an expression and that we don't try to martyr ourselves for that new vision that we're trying to enact. At 9 o'clock or so, the moon will move into Aries. And then it'll make a trine to a newly ingressed Mercury into Leo at 5 degrees at 8.12 p.m. Okay, a couple other things we're going to unpack here uh, is Venus is going to be making a shift, okay, on Friday around 11.20 a.m. or so in Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time, whichever one we're doing now, into the sign of Cancer. And as I talked about in the beginning of the, uh, the planetary condition report, this does improve the essential dignity of Venus. So it gains dignity by it's moving into its own decan, okay? It's moving into its own triplicity. Uh, it is the tri Venus is the triplicity ruler of the water signs. Remember, triplicity is element-based. Um, 
by day and its host shifts to the moon which even though the moon is going to be doing a lot of motion the moon will be able to witness venus at various points whereas before we weren't really seeing much of a communication between mercury and venus while mercury was in cancer now i would say just going backwards to thursday and wednesday and thursday part of the thing that we really may be getting uh clear on and and part of the fortuitous nature of that venus being in that final degrees of gemini is that mercury will be able to witness that and provide something so we may be able to try on that new identity and have some success doing it so for at least two days <laughs> mercury will be able to witness its host venus um, but then we move into a position where the, the moon becomes its host all right so in the first decan of cancer we're talking about harmonizing Venus and trying to cre create unity, lunar issues, uh, home, manifesting things into form, birth, nurturing. We see this as the uh, expression of the two of cups, where we have uh, figures that are joining. You can also see this as the joining of the body with the soul. And remember, we in the Egyptian concept of time, which the Deccans are based on, Cancer was on the ascendant. Cancer was the first house. When we saw the, the, the unity of horizon and sky, that to the ancient Egyptians was the unity and the return of the, the God from the underworld and, and unifying spirit and soul. So this is maybe what we are trying to incorporate now with Venus in cancers, trying to create some kind of unity, um, trying to bring uh, a sense of our divinity into form, trying to manifest uh, some kind of harmony within our relationships and and how we nurture one another, how we're going to grow something into existence. Now, the challenge that we have, okay, Austin Kaba calls this the mother and child, and love is the name of this card in Book T and Book of Toth. Um, the challenge that we have with this is that immediately as Venus moves into Cancer, it uh, goes into an opposition with Capricorn planets, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. So, Again, we may be trying to birth something in the cancer area of our life, or this time now in the Taurus and the Libra areas of our life, because that is what uh, Venus is providing for. Okay, But we may be running into the necessity of our circumstances, the limitations of our circumstances. And again, that will create some frustration and the need for compromise. We're trying to birth some kind of new unity, especially in, in maybe an artistic field or in some sort of relationship, but we have to work within the limits that are being set for us in this Capricorn opposition. We also will be experiencing now an overcoming square from Mars to Venus. Okay, so this is kind of a, an energy where we are now receiving uh, potentially the thrust of our own um, independent forces or our our desire to take action that may be making it difficult to have the patience that is required when we are trying to nurture something into existence a mother is a patient mother generally or should be like if we want to if we want to create something one of the virtues of of you know fostering something into adulthood is patience and we may, that may be difficult with Mars making an overcoming square. We may want to rush the process, and we're really not going to be able to do that with this opposition. 
We may find catharsis with giving and receiving, with love and nurturing. I've compared Venus to, um, to Pluto. You know, Venus is, I, I think Venus is the ancient, uh, some aspects of the ancient Pluto, where, remember, Venus was responsible for the purity of the Greek drama, which was responsible for expressing and catharting through powerful emotions. So wherever I see Venus, we may be releasing heavy emotions. And this may be through our ability to give and receive love. And remember, there's a duality to cancer that I've was really brought to light to me by Austin Kopic when he talks about a Cancerian mother-child relationship is um, both like the moon. When the moon is waxing, we may be gaining uh, in light and we may be able to give something. When we are waning, something is taken away. So in a relationship with a mother and a child, we maybe have to, to nourish ourselves. You know, we have to eat. Like if you're pregnant, you have to eat a lot more. But you also have something that is draining you, like a new life that you have to give to you that is consuming you. So you are consuming and being consumed simultaneously. So that's some of the things we're going to have to come to terms with is how are we consuming and how are we being consumed and how do we harmonize those two things? I think that's really Venus's job here in this first decade is how do we unify consumption versus nurturing and giving versus receiving? Those are the, those are the questions that are going to be coming up, I think, potentially. Okay. Let's move forward here to what the sun is doing on this day. The sun is going to be moving over the fixed star uh, Dubi, D-U-B-H-E. I believe that's how you say it. And that's part of Ursa Major. That, so remember, if we go back to our star chart here, we have a uh, on the 7th, okay, as we move out, we're going to be seeing this conjoint, whoops, we're going, going a little crazy here. My program doesn't want to do it. But you can see this projecting by ecliptical degree to the fixed stars of the great bear, okay? So again, this may be about a point of awareness, the sun, that shines some light on goddess energy, on a point of stillness, on a point of persistence, passive strength, endurance, feminine patience, the power of time to solve issues. This, these are some significations from some of Bernadette Brady's work, the power of time to solve issues. So this may be where we're having to really dig deep into our, our well of maternal energy and recognize that whatever we're trying to give birth to, the process can't necessarily be rushed. Uh, you're not going to, um, if you have a child and they're like two years old, you can't snap your fingers and make them 12. You know, you have to be content with the stage that they're at and all of the, what that entails. And I, I sympathize with all of you or with that have two-year-olds because I know how hard that is. But you have to appreciate that stage of life. And all you folks out there that have teenagers, that's a specific stage of life. You're not going to skip stages. You have to go through the, the stages and, and embrace them. So this may be a point where we are learning about embracing our patients and finding, uh, finding our light through that. Um, stillness of the goddess of the pole star of the of the great bears that are circling the pole you can see this here if I zoom out you know 
we've got these great bears. See how these great bears are like circling that point of stillness? And so is the dragon circling that there, walking around that central point. So again, I think this, this week is about finding your center, finding your point of stillness, finding your point of inner harmony. That's what's going to get you through it. All right, let's go on to Saturday the 8th. On Saturday the 8th, moon's going to be in Aries, disseminating phase. It's going to be making, a, the moon's going to make a trine to that sun at 16 degrees of Aries and Leo at 6.49 p.m. It will then square Jupiter retrograde at 11.44 p.m. at 19 degrees of Aries and Capricorn. Um, the only other fixed star thing we have going on today on the Saturday is, um, oops, is we're going to see Mercury starting to make contact with the, uh, the celestial asses. Okay, and, and we experienced the sun going over this position last week. Um, at seven degrees, we have Acellus Borealis, which is the northern ass. And this is the one that's a little bit more positive. This is uh, talked about with some uh, a hospitable or protective place where, you know, the, the Greek story talks about Dionysus being helped by two donkeys in, uh, who, where, when he was fading in the heat of the sun across a very, uh, you know, dangerous marsh. And uh, so we may feel, we may get some help in establishing that new identity that we're, you know, trying on as a mask when Mercury moves over seven degrees or so of Leo. And then as we move forward in Sunday, it's going to move over the, the, the other one that's more difficult. Okay, so let's move forward to Sunday. So you can see on Sunday now, Mercury is at about nine degrees of Leo, and that has a conjunction with Acellus Australis, which is the southern ass, where Brady says that that can be associated with unfair accusations, oversensitivity to criticism, burns, fevers, and disgraces. So, you know, we may be trying something on and we have support in the beginning and we, we may have a difficult thing that we have to overcome as Mercury moves over that particular degree in the zodiac. On Sunday the 9th, the moon is going to conjoin uh, Mars at 4.35 a.m., 21 degrees of Aries. It's going to square Pluto at 7.37 a.m. It's going to square uh, Saturn retrograde at 3.49 p.m. at 27 degrees. And then finally in the evening, after all that business, the moon moves into uh, Taurus and gains some dignity by exaltation and triplicity. So seeing all those conjunctions with Mars, squares to Pluto and Saturn, that would seem to suggest that we're going through a, a more difficult day on Sunday. So, you know, do, do maybe the, the heavy lifting, I would say, if you want to get something accomplished on Saturday, and then be prepared for maybe some challenges on Sunday as you're moving through your weekend. All right. Well, I think that's what I've got for this week. Uh, looking ahead to next week, the 10th through the 16th, Mercury is going to be making a square to Uranus. So we'll be testing out uh, some similar things that we were with the sun, with Mercury taking its turn in that square position. On Tuesday, August 11th, the moon will be squaring the sun uh, from 19 degrees of Taurus to 19 degrees of Leo. So that is our last quarter moon where we're maybe seeing a, a change of heart. We're trying to incorporate all the lessons that we've learned from the last lunar cycle and get prepared for, you know, maybe this is where we're starting to transition towards getting prepared for school and things like that. On Thursday, uh, August the 13th, 
Mars will make a difficult square to Pluto retrograde at 23 degrees of Aries and Capricorn. So um, keep that on your calendar um, because that's also going to be getting us pretty close to the Saturn-Mars square that's going to hit a couple times as we move forward. So we do have some, some rough waters ahead. Um, so anytime you can practice more self-care right now and patience and um, take a break from the news every once in a while, you want to stay informed, but you don't want to get overwhelmed with it. On Saturday, on the 15th, um, Uranus will station retrograde at 10 degrees of Taurus. So we may be reviewing some of the big changes that we have been, uh, maybe, you know, some in forced by circumstance to make or that, that you know, were time, timely and that we realized were necessary. And then finally, on Sunday, the 16th, the sun will trine Mars at 24 degrees of Leo and Aries. Okay, that's what I've got for this week. Uh, thank you again for sticking with me this long. I really appreciate you as a community. And again, please let me know in the comments how I can best serve you through these videos, what kind of information that you're interested in, what kind of services that you might want to, uh, that you may be interested in um, signing up for, if there's something I can offer, if uh, there's a way that, you know, we can work together. Um, what kind of readings would you would you be interested in? I'm I'm offering I'm opening my books up right now, and and I'm more available for readings. Uh, I I need to kind of balance out my research brain with like my, uh, oh I don't know my reader brain and my, um, <laughs> like the what I do for free brain with what I charge money for brain. So like just a full disclosure. So I had to kind of figure that out and the balance between all of that. And that's been something that I've really had to think about through this, this sun Uranus cycle. Um, so, but I would love your feedback on that because I want, I want this to be a service that is worthwhile for all of you. And those of you who have been, have donated to the work that I do here, I, I super appreciate that. Uh, thank you, thank you for doing that, um, and uh, we'll we'll move forward and see how we're going to build the next phase of all of this together. Um, so yeah, and if you're really enjoying these videos, make sure you hit that like and subscribe and share it with your friends if you can. That actually really helps everything that I'm doing here as well, and helping really helping me to to move forward with this journey and my transition from from uh, being a, more of a music person to being a full-time professional astrologer. So you're, you're a part of that journey, and, and thank you again for being along for the ride with me on that. So anyway, uh, hang in there, everyone, and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Peace.